there was one point during lunch, there were three children coughing at the same time. I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. There's like, um, and if you, you know, don't have a, like a base of knowledge, you won't know that that could mean that a child is maybe coughing, choking on the food. It could be going down into their lungs. Um, that, that aspiration pneumonia is one of the leading causes of death for kids with, with CP because they are aspirating and then they develop pneumonia. In today's episode, we're looking at how visiting volunteers, Kara Darling and Rebecca Latterman, were able to help our disability care ministry in Malawi develop a simple yet highly effective way of reducing choking risks for children with disabilities and how their work is paving the way for even more children to grow stronger and healthier. Hi, I'm Kimberly Jarris, and you're listening to Shared Voices, a podcast by Kingdom Workers, where we explore how our individual lives are part of God's larger story. Part 1. Down the Wrong Tube Let's talk about swallowing for a quick minute. Before working on this piece, I never really gave much thought to what happens when I take a bite of my sandwich or sip my tea early in the morning. I simply bite, chew, swallow, repeat. But as I found out, swallowing is kind of a miraculous thing. Yeah, my name is Rebecca Latterman. I'm a speech-language pathologist. Um, I work at both St. Marcus Lutheran School, all three campuses, um, and also I work as needed or like PRN at uh, Adult Rehab Hospital. Yeah, so speech-language pathologists are a lot are experts on all of the body parts. I like to say like from your diaphragm up, so like your belly up. Um, and so a lot goes into feeding and swallowing, right? You need to have coordinated breathing. Um, so that's something that speech therapists can help with. Um, and also there's like the sensory aspects of feeding and swallowing. Um, so some people are able to use all their body parts correctly, but certain textures or um, yeah, textures or consistencies feel funky in their mouth. <laughs> so they maybe like, you know, kids might spit that out or, you know, adults might gag. Um, so difficulty that way. And then some people are just born um, or maybe develop conditions where they have weakness. So it's actually difficult to move those parts of your mouth that help you swallow safely. So like your tongue, maybe your cheek strength, your lips. Um, all those things need to work together to help someone swallow safely. Like I said, the fact that we don't choke on food more often is a miracle. There are so many key things that all have to work together to enable us to just simply eat or drink. But you might also be thinking, wait, what does a speech-language pathologist have to do with swallowing? Don't they only work with communication and speech disorders? But as Rebecca points out, there's a common thought, and I was even talking to some teachers today, that they were like, oh yeah, you help kids when they can't produce their sounds. And that's one part of what we do, but speech therapists or speech language pathologists evaluate and treat 
a wide range of communication disorders, which might include social communication or how you're able to interact with others, um, cognitive communication, so like how you think and problem solve, those executive functioning skills, um, language, so how you understand and use language, um, as well as swallowing and feeding. That's an area that a lot of people don't realize that we um, you know, evaluate and treat. In the United States alone, there are roughly 140,000 speech-language pathologists, or SLPs, as I'll refer to them from now on. When a child or adult is having difficulties with speech, communication, swallowing, or feeding, they're typically able to go to their doctor and receive therapy care from an SLP. But the same isn't the case for children living in Malawi. In Malawi, we have less than 10 qualified um, SLPs. The skills that maybe can be accessed by only a few people, and maybe in private uh, practice, only a few people can access such services. That's Hamilton Kimbalame, our physiotherapist in Malawi. Hamilton has worked with our Disability Care Ministry in Malawi since 2019. And in his role, Hamilton works alongside Davy Dewey, our Disability Ministry lead. Together, they coordinate our home-based care efforts and worship at the Cross Ministries, which are then carried out by local volunteers. Yeah, so uh, apart from the uh, spiritual help that is offered to people with disability, there's also physical help that we offer. For the physical health, I mean physical help, we have what is called home-based care program. In the home-based care program, we look at children with disability. Um, and attend to their needs, like if they need physiotherapy, we are there to uh, to train the volunteers so that they can offer a simplified form of maybe exercises. They can be working together with the caretakers to make sure that there's continued um, interventions even at home. A quick pause. If you're new to Kingdom Workers, I'll give some background on how our disability care ministry in Malawi works. In Malawi, we recognized that there was a need to provide ongoing care to children with disabilities living in remote villages. But as you might guess, getting children from their remote villages to the doctor wasn't always possible. And it certainly wasn't something caregivers could do multiple times a week, especially when people often have to walk anywhere they go. To make a lasting, sustainable impact, we recognized we needed to partner with local Lutheran churches throughout Malawi to train people in home-based therapy care. This format enables our Malawi team to serve a large number of people in several different villages. To make sure volunteers and caregivers are equipped to serve, our staff regularly hosts trainings so that they can gain new skills to better serve the needs of the children with disabilities in their own communities. Often, our staff have the skills they need to train local volunteers and caregivers, but sometimes they need to turn to the help of specialized volunteers with unique skill sets not readily available in Malawi. And that was the case when Hamilton and Davy noticed that for some of the children being served, 
we also noted that some of them <clears throat> were not able to, the, the nutrition was uh, compromised because they can maybe take maybe five bites of food and then they will not uh, be able to continue with eating because maybe they are choking and they are afraid and that contributes to malnutrition. Hamilton and Dave recognized that they needed specialized support from outside experts, experts in speech-language pathology. And that's where Rebecca Latterman and Kara Darling come in. My name is Kara Darling, and I'm from Muskego, Wisconsin. Well, I'm currently um, work in a high school setting, so which I never thought I would enjoy, but I just, I love it. I love it. So Kara is also an SLP. Like Rebecca, Kara was on the visiting volunteer team that served in Malawi in May of 2022. But that wasn't the first time Kara has volunteered with Kingdom Workers. In fact, Kara's volunteer experience with Kingdom Workers starts back in 2019. So I saw actually like a Facebook um, ad saying that they were looking for speech therapists. And I was like, what, really? Like, usually that's just like for doctors and, you know, nurses and like they really want a speech therapist. So it was like immediate, like, oh, I totally want to do it because I can't believe like that I would be given this opportunity in my profession to, to be able to do this. Um, when we, when I went in 2019, it was definitely like, okay, this is speech and language. Like swallowing wasn't brought up at all. I didn't, that never even crossed my mind, like, oh, that, you know, swallowing might be an area that's also needed. But that all changed at the end of her trip in 2019. There was one point during lunch, there were three children coughing at the same time. I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. There's like, um, and if you, you know, don't have a, like a base of knowledge, you won't know that that could mean that a child is maybe coughing, choking on the food, it could be going down into their lungs. Kara realized there was a real need to provide education concerning how to prevent choking, but time was short and she was about to leave. Kara worked to create a swallowing checklist for Hamilton and the volunteers to use, but there wasn't sufficient time for Kara to properly train the Kingdom Workers Malawi staff, volunteers, and caregivers. But it did help raise awareness concerning swallowing difficulties for Kingdom Workers staff. And when travel opened back up in 2022, our staff in Malawi knew they wanted to do a longer training focused primarily on feeding and swallowing to help children with CP, cerebral palsy. So SLPs, Kara and Rebecca, they, they are specialists in, with the airway and the esophagus. So they, are able, they were able to guide the caretakers and also they taught us how you can minimize occurrences of choking. And with that, Kara and Rebecca packed their bags and headed to Malawi in May of 2022 to offer their skills as SLPs and to help provide education on how to reduce choking risks. As it turns out, the solution wasn't some high-tech, expensive machine or extensive, complicated technique requiring lots of resources. Instead, it was something incredibly simple. And it all started with a trip to the kitchen. Stick with us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
Part two, cooking lessons. Encima. Encima? That's like the, the, like their staple food. Like what everyone eats multiple times a day. It was a certain type of like corn flour um, and like ground up flour and then water were like the only two ingredients, which was a little surprising for me. I expected, um, like I Googled the final product and I was like, oh, it's um, a fluffy, um, almost like a solid um, consistency. I'm trying to think of what it might be like here. It's almost like a harder version of mashed potatoes. So that solution to reducing the choking risks? It was food modification, along with proper positioning. So let's get back to that dish in SEMA and why they needed to learn how to make it. We wanted to like figure out how we can modify Encima to help kids who maybe have a hard time with that sticky texture. How do we make it a little thinner for them? What do we need to add? How do we get those like lumps out? Things like that. And while Encima might only be made with a few ingredients, it takes serious skill to make and required a personal cooking lesson. The Terrells had one of their like workers come in um, and teach us how to make that. A quick note that Leanna Terrell was the Malawi field manager at the time of this volunteer opportunity and Kara and Rebecca were staying with her and her husband Dan. So the process of it was actually a lot more involved than I thought um, because you have to like um, while you're cooking it and stirring it you you have to like do it all by like watching it and you just know when the time is right to like add more of the flour and stir it until it gets to this perfect consistency. It was just like the coolest thing. It was just so great. Um, but it was nice, like kind of having a an understanding of some of like the food that they have access to, and being able to um, then figure out some different ways that we could modify it, so that we could go into the training on Monday and Thursday with some like practical like ideas for the volunteers. By understanding how to make Encima, Kara and Rebecca were able to share practical ways for volunteers and caregivers to modify the food according to the resources already readily available to them. When the time came to host the trainings, Kara and Rebecca were ready, and so were the local volunteers and caregivers. We ended up seeing 48 volunteers. So these people, they come and they give out their entire day um, to come and like learn to help the children in their village, and it's just amazing to me. And yeah, I, it's amazing. And it's not like they just, you know, hop in their car and drive down the road and get to the church. Um, like it can, it's sometimes like three hours of walking. It's, it's crazy. And um, I had like from my 2019 trip, I had written down from one of the days and it's, you know, so the volunteers come from that far away. But then also when the caregivers come with their children, like they're also coming from that far away. Um, so like one day, um, it was three hours for one caregiver to come with her child. And, and so it's three hours walking on dusty roads that are, you know, very not easy to walk on. And like I said before, these children don't have like wheelchairs. So the caregivers aren't like pushing them in their wheelchairs, which would be hard enough anyways, but they, they have them all like, like strapped to their backs. 
So they are carrying these sometimes very large children on their backs. And it's not, it's mothers, it's grandmothers. And just like, oh, like it's just amazing to see like their care for their, for their kids, their care for their community, you know, what they're willing to do. And so they came for a training um, that was just focused on speech and language and specific, like very specifically in swallowing. Um, so we, so Rebecca and I led the training on Monday. Um, but then by, when we redid the, when we did the training on Thursday, Hamilton took over some of it. Um, so while we were training the volunteers, we were also helping to train the kingdom workers staff. Um, and so then moving forward, they have that, that basic knowledge. And part of that training on swallowing included explanations on how to use something called an IDSI chart. That's I-D-D-S-I, which stands for the International Dysphagia Diet Standardization Initiative. Okay, <laughs> try saying that five times fast. According to ITSI.org, the ITSI chart is a global standard with terminology and definitions to describe modified foods and thickened liquids used for individuals with dysphagia of all ages, in all care settings, and for all cultures. The chart itself shows two different triangles, one with the tip pointing down and the other with the tip pointing up. Kara explains more. Part of our profession, we use something called like an ITSI, an ITSI chart to kind of show like this is like liquids and solids. And so like this is like water, matsi is water. And then, um, and how we can like, use water is like the thinnest thing you drink. And then how you can make it a little bit thicker and even more thick, okay? So like in the States, we, we can just get like little containers. And this is nectar thick liquid, which is kind of like um, maple syrup. Or we can get honey thick liquid, which is like honey. And we can just, go to the store and purchase and purchase it. You can't do that. <laughs> and um, so we figured out ways to be able to like um, change that consistency for the kids who need it. Um, and then the same with like the solids. Um, so like rice and meat. Um, and so those are like very hard things to chew. So that would be like only for like the really, really good eaters. And then how to like modify that and make it so it's more like a puree texture. And so now moving forward, the Kingdom Workers staff can be like, okay, well this, this child, you know, would really be at a two for liquids. They need it a little bit thicker or, you know, they really can't handle leafy greens and that chewy. So they should, they should be at a five. So giving Kingdom Workers, like just kind of like a, um, like a more objective, tool to use so that they can like monitor progress and be able to like easily um know where a child where a child is from like time to time like every time they come back to to see the the child like it was just so neat like getting the volunteers involved because when when we started the training especially that first group it was like you know knowing like what what does it mean if you're coughing and like no idea and being able to like show them like how it go you know and 
how it goes. It might be going down this this wrong way. And um, and then we talked about like, well, what are some different foods that you guys have access to? So like in, including like the volunteers in the discussion instead of just like giving them all the information and just like their ideas. It was just amazing. Like you could, uh, you know, boil down the pumpkin leaves and then use that water because there's some more nutrition in there to add to the the porridge or you know the enzima uh, and it just kind of reminded me like how much impact you can have without like flashy things you know it's like we were able to have such an impact by just the few tools we brought and I think it just made me um realize like the impact you can have with less you know Coming up next, we'll explore just how much of an impact the trainings had and how that impact was felt by everyone involved in the work. Part three. Moving forward. The things that they taught us seem to be so simple, but very key in helping children with disability in terms of uh, swallowing and feeding. You would think like maybe you require some sophisticated uh, interventions to stop one from choking, but something simple like, okay, Let's get him into sitting and see if he can sit. Okay, he's able to sit. Let's feed him with right head positioning. This child is able to, to feed. And she, you can even see how happy the mothers or the parents were. As Hamilton just shared, by showing local volunteers and caregivers how to modify their foods and liquids, families were able to help give their child meals they could actually consume. Working with a child who who was coughing a lot and not handling liquids very well. And so we tried, you know, you can see I cut, we thickened we thickened up the water a little bit and gave it to him on a spoon and he did it so much better. And so I like I I love like I'm showing this spoon and just how the mom is looking and how and then um, and how he's smiling at his mom, and then how he's like, oh, I'm so ready to eat it. <laughs> it was just so cute. And then, and you know, and then eating it with no problem. Like there's no coughing, no choking. He handled it great. When I spoke with Davy and Hamilton back in July, they had just visited the same villages where Kara and Rebecca had hosted their trainings back in May. They wanted to see how caregivers, volunteers, and children were all doing. And what they saw was incredible. Okay, we went uh, there, I think, was it two weeks ago? Yeah, about two weeks. Yeah, about two weeks ago. Yeah, so it was like a, a refresher training just to see uh, how both the volunteers and the children as well. I remember I was chatting with uh, uh, one of the parents, so she said that, oh, Kiki, uh, that training helped us a lot because uh, my kid, is no longer choking as well because now I know uh, what to do when I'm feeding her. So, thank you. Yeah, that's encouraging. 
But it wasn't just physical encouragement that the trainings provided. Hamilton explains that. So every every visit, we we most of the times we meet at the church and the volunteers um, are church members. So um, sometimes, as Dave already said, that we also have a simplified form of worship service for people with disabilities. That also includes uh, children. Um, uh, I, I think that the, the, the intersection is that is here where you're proclaiming, you're preaching about the love that Jesus Christ has towards uh, his people. And then you're taking a step to ensure that you do your part in making sure that even the vulnerable populations are able to access the things that they couldn't maybe access. So for them to come and, and uh, you know, to offer their skills in a program like this one, it was like, it, it, it was like um, something that added to what is already being preached because we were able to source skills from elsewhere uh, to make sure that people are able to uh, live comfortably at least. I'm sure that through that, they at least appreciated the love that is there in the church, the love that Jesus Christ shares. By combining gospel proclamation with understandable, easy-to-carry-out physical care, individuals are able to hear about and feel God's love working in their lives at that very moment. This is why Kingdom Workers always make sure that our programs meet all three criteria of the Kingdom Workers' promise. Those are... One, gospel proclamation. Two, meaningful local relationships. And three, Christian welfare. It's like equipping those villages with the resources they need so that they can help themselves, right? It's not just like a one and done kind of thing. And that's what I also just like love about my volunteer experience. The volunteer experience certainly served the local volunteers and caregivers but it also changed things for Kara, Rebecca, Hamilton, and Davey. Yeah, like I feel like I was able, you know, obviously to teach like whatever I know in my, from my schooling, but I learned so much more from them, just how, you know, your, your patients, their, the way they would sit, like I got to hear some great, you know, singing and just like their praise, you know, to, to God. And it just, it's just, Amazing. Like, it's just amazing. It's definitely made, actually made me, like, stronger in my faith. I have become a better Bible reader, and um, it's been good for my children to see, like, my passion with it. I know Kara and I were kind of, you know, reflecting on it after the fact. I'm just saying, like, I feel like I learned as much as I hopefully, like, taught. Um, so it definitely like opened my eyes to some things. I definitely maybe feel like a more well-rounded um, practitioner. Um, and it was a really great thing to just remember, like they're the experts on 
you know, especially on Malawi and the cultural norms and the diet. And um, it was really great to have their expertise um, and to work so closely. I think it's just something good to remember. Like sometimes when you go into a situation where you're able to provide professional expertise, it's, it's almost easy to be like, I know everything. You don't, so I'm teaching you. Um, but it was, uh, I think, a good thing to just remember, like um, that they're like the parents are the experts on their own children, and the people there are experts on their own culture. Like I can't tell you what to implement um, if it's not going to work for you and your home and your culture. Um, and so I think, like even in the U.S., sometimes there's a tendency to be like, I'm the expert, like I went to school for this, um, but just that collaboration between different people and like really listening because you want whatever you're recommending to be useful and something that's actually gonna help, um, not just because it's like what the research says is, you know, best practice. For me, for me, it was, it was, it was exciting. I think because um, it's another profession something that we just hear about so to have them and work with them was uh, quite an experience and we were able to also uh, learn other skills yeah so yeah it, it was quite an experience and the, the one of the most important things was that the children that we see and some of the challenges that we see in children which we were not able to help they were able to help both uh, the visiting volunteers and the local volunteers they play a huge role now for the visiting volunteers is their skills because i think some of the skills we do not have them here but when you have uh, such skills even in the rural areas it, it means a lot to the people um, that we save but also for the local volunteers their commitment uh, because these are the ones that are on the ground um, running up and down making sure that uh, people with disability are able to get some of the services that they cannot be able to get but also they can at least feel a sense of belonging to a church and be able to, to, to worship uh, with other people. You know how uh, people get an encouragement if they see that the condition they have, someone also has the same and they're able to come together as a community or a church. Uh, they can be able to hear other people's experiences and get an encouragement to say that I'm not alone in this journey. We are together, we are worshiping and all that. So we, we, we really have to appreciate our volunteers. They are doing a very good job. And by doing this, the impact they have can continue for a long time and make a lasting impact on the people who volunteer and are served. And that's today's show. I'm Kimberly Jarris, and you've been listening to Shared Voices from Kingdom Workers. This podcast was produced by me with underscore music from a variety of artists on Soundstripe. Our theme music was written and produced by Jack Boatman. And special thank you to Kara Darling, Rebecca Latterman, 
I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you're interested in learning more about our work with the Disability Care Ministry in Malawi, I'll share a link to that in the description below. And if you want to support work like this and more by making a donation, you can give online at kingdomworkers.com slash donate dash now. Thanks for listening and have a great day.